This is different. This is important. How many? Well? Something like 36? What? Something like 36? Oh, your voice. Wait, what is that anyway? Something like 36? Does that include me? Um, 37. I'm 37? I'm going to class. Oh, my God. 37. In a row? Welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jake. And it is an early, early morning. Yeah, we're recording early. <laughs> it's Monday, 10 a.m. Well, 9.59. Hot off work. Hot <laughs> out of your bed. Yep. Getting it done. We're dedicated to all of you who listen. And, and we just like doing this. And thank, well, that. And so thank you guys for sticking with us. For sure. Um, Jacob, you said you had some updates. I've been waiting. Yeah, so I got some really good news okay. on grad school. Oh, and so I I got ex- I got accepted into American. Duh, dude! <laughs> I told you that's amazing. I know. I'm so excited, dude. Holy shit! I know. And now it's now it's just like it's super like it's it's frightening because looking at tuition costs and like dude, fuck it. I finaled my. Filed my financial aid, and so hopefully I get enough to like, yeah. cover tuition. I don't, I don't know. When do you start? It would be May. This May? Mm-hmm. Whoa, dude! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I need to get a new laptop. I need to get a. Um, yeah, you definitely I need to get need a, a web, laptop. I need to get a needed a <laughs> webcam. Uh, but yeah, dude, I was so excited because I was just all the stuff I've been dealing with with work. Yes. And I was just like. I had just turned in like my two. I had just turned in my yeah. two weeks. Giving and, up on life. And I just, just like I was just it. like, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where my life is headed. Like right. I can't get, I can't find any jobs in in the areas that I want to work mm-hmm. in. I'm like, I'm going to be stuck working like retail for the rest of my life because yeah. nobody values a history degree. And and then all of a sudden I get a call and Brian Smith, the guy from American Admissions, who I had been talking with back and forth, and he had been helping me through this process. And he's yeah. like, he calls. And I'm just sitting there at the counter and I get. A, a call from American and I was like you know what usually I let this stuff go to voicemail if I'm at work but For I'm sure. like I'm just gonna go pick this up mm-hmm. so I go in the back and I pick it up and he's like he's like hey Jake it's Brian Smith from American and I said and he's like do you have a second and I said yep and he's like well and I was like this it was like literally three days after I submitted my application yeah so I was like this can't this can't be good news. Like, right. no, they don't call you this quickly with an approval mm-hmm. to grad school. Like, I figure it's got to go through a commission and then through a committee right, and right, right. through all those other stuff to, to get vetted and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And he's like, do you have a second? And I was like, I'm just going to get turned down. I'm like, going to cry at work. <laughs> like, literally, this is going to be the end of me right yeah. here. And then he was like, I just, he's like, I wanted to be the, f-, he's like, I wanted to be the first to congratulate you and then my dude I, I just do i almost broke down and cried in really? the back i was dude, that happy that's amazing and, and he was just like he's like i just want to be the first to congratulate you on being accepted into um, one of the top programs in international relations in in the, in the nation and and he's like this is a you know great honor and i would just do it i was oh my gosh i was i went from like almost like crying from sadness of getting rejected yeah, to yeah. like just being so <laughs> elated dude the, the emotional change in in that happened right there mm-hmm. oh my gosh it was crazy but 
Um, and then I couldn't listen to. He started giving me all of this different stuff that I was supposed to like start doing, and I, like I didn't do. I wasn't hearing any of it. All I could hear is that I was accepted. Right, so right. I was. It, oh my gosh! And then the first thing I do is like I message Dr. Lopez and Dr. Peabody, mm-hmm, and you know, mm-hmm. who who got me through this. If it yeah. hadn't been for them, I wasn't getting in. Right. So, um, if you, I don't, I know you guys probably aren't listening, but thank you guys so much again. Yeah. Um, for everything that everything that you guys do and everything that the faculty um, yes. does at Washington State University Vancouver Absolutely. they open so many doors for right. their students so congratulations Jake thank you that's yeah. freaking epic it's dude. gonna be I cannot crazy. believe you start in May I can't believe that how many classes are you taking two you do you do two per trimester like they have okay. quarters yeah and you do two per quarter you okay. for three quarters a year um and okay. it's dude, you, you know what you know what how much it is? It's yeah. seventeen fifty per credit. And that's one thousand seven hundred fifty dollars per credit. <laughs> Holy shit. And dude. the class is like three credits. Wow. And then and then so you take ten classes and it's thirty credits to graduate. Right. So I'm not like, trying to like diminish this at all. But is it really that that high of a, a valued institution? Mm-hmm. Really? They place ninety percent of their graduates in uh, directly into um, into government organizations. Oh, you're so be if, if, dude. if if I can if I can get myself through this, yeah. everything I've been reading on it is it's super rigorous. Oh, but dude, um, yeah, it's gonna take a fucking shit ton of dedication. Mm-hmm. No last minute but writing, it's, but it's gonna be. But it's in something that I absolutely yes. love. Yes, and reading the reading, you're gonna be a hundred percent into it mm-hmm. and on board. You're gonna love it. Yeah, it's not gonna. It's gonna be work, but you're gonna be like, I'm enjoying this. Like I'm, all, I'm already like reading, not like academic right. stuff about this, but I'm already. I've been reading. I read articles all the time. Yeah, about exactly. Foreign policy issues. So it's, it's, it's not gonna be a huge <sighs> lifestyle change for, for sure. me necessarily, but it will be a lot of work. Yes, but I'm excited, man. I'm really excited. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah, so I, I got a got a lot to figure out. I filed FAFSA yesterday. Oh, dude, you're so late. March fourth or third was the deadline. Was it? It's just the deadline for uh, what's it called? Um, priority. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I mean, you're still early enough to mm-hmm. whatever. I did mine two weeks ago. Oh, week really? Ago? Did yeah. you? Okay. Yeah, I haven't been accepted. I haven't even submitted yet, but to Washington State. Mm-hmm. But I did go and meet with Dr. Iyer, who is a professor of communications at Washington State University, Vancouver. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I didn't know you were doing that. Yep. That's so, awesome, dude. Uh, I, when I was talking to Donna, she was like, you know, I asked her a little bit. I said, would you read through my letter? And she's like, yeah, but you're going to want communications professors to read through it because they're going to know what the point is. Mm-hmm. What if you're answering what they're looking for? And I was like, that's a good point. Usually I'm shy about that shit. And I just like I'm like, fuck it. I'll just try it and, mm-hmm. and see what happens. But this is master's program. And yeah. I, I want to, you know, I got to put the effort there. Definitely. So I was like, all right. So I reached out to two professors at WSUV. Both of them got back to me. Both of them scheduled appointments with me. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. Um, God, our faculty is great. Yeah. So Dr. Iyer, I met with him, and then I have, on April 8th, I have um, 
uh, a meeting with Dr. Elizabeth Candelo. And so with Dr. Iyer, I was talking to him and he, he told me enough about like, so he does the, I don't know. I think WSU only has, they might have a bachelor's in communications at that campus, mm-hmm. but I think it's only a minor. I'm not really sure how that works there, okay. but he has pamphlets for the bachelor's and he mm-hmm. gave me one. Um, so they do have a, a strategic communications bachelor's, um, but we just went over the master's, which is similar to the bachelor's, obviously mm-hmm. with a little more um, work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little bit more. But he, you know, it was it was interesting because he set it up as like uh so why do you want to get, why do you want to, if you, you, you have your degree in history, but why do you want to get your degree in communications? Um, and I, I said, you know, I think obviously first and foremost, I think it's with the aspiration of job prospects getting into a job mm-hmm. in communications. And I could see him kind of like draw back like, oh shit. But then I was like, but at the base level, my interest in this starts with my love for education. It starts with my love for, um, and my, and my growing interest in communications. Mm -hmm. I've started two podcasts. I have a radio show. Um, I, I love this relationship. I love the idea of connecting people with, um, with an organization. Like when I worked with the museum, you Mm -hmm. know, getting community members interested in what we do there. Eventually I like to be in a government bureaucracy and getting, whether it's, you know, environmental health or health or, or uh, Parks and Rec, whatever department it is, getting people to connect with the government in ways that maybe they normally wouldn't, that stuff just interests me. But what I said was, the reason I am interested is to further my education. I am interested in the classes. I'm interested in the content. But I think that, I told him I didn't graduate high school, but getting into college and going through college fundamentally changed who I am. And I can only imagine the masters will continue that growth. Mm-hmm. And that's what interests me. And he just looks at me and goes, that's exactly the answer I wanted to hear. And I was like, what? And he goes, if you would have just said jobs, I would have said, this isn't for you. He goes, but that's the answer. And that is the attitude of the students that we want in that program. I was like, oh, well, that's why I want to do it. And so he was <laughs> like, yeah. So we went over kind of like just the different social media communications. Um, you know, you got to be up on. He's like, you probably want to be up on like pop culture, which I am mm-hmm. usually pretty yeah. up on yeah. uh, social media, tech, all that stuff. Um, and then we'll get in and, and then they'll do like I told him I do a little bit of graphic design. I did more when I was younger, but he's like, you'll get more into that. You'll get more into content creation, looking at like um, market trends and then how that'll affect whatever thing you go into. Um, if you have projects, then you want to, you, you want to apply whatever work you do within that program to those projects. But also, you know, like, so I'm sure there are going to be some assignments where I'm like, I'm going to do this because it'll help the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but also I told him, you know, from what it sounds like, I need to tailor my work towards more like, um, as if I were working for a government bureaucracy. Okay. Sure. So that way I'm building my portfolio. And then when I apply for, any government i'm just like hey yes i didn't officially do this work for you guys but i tailored it to i did the research and all of that as Mm -hmm. if i worked for your department and it was so helpful dude and and he gave you that advice yeah 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 it was freaking and then i i I wrote a letter and then i went back after meeting him and included things that he thought were great Mm -hmm. just through our conversation and um told me things about the program more specifically that i was interested in changed my letter to 
to specify those interests. Okay. Um, but he was like, you should schedule a meeting with Dr. Candelo. And I was like, yeah, I have one with her on the eighth. And he was like, okay. And I was like, but why, why are you suggesting that? And, uh, he was like, because she got her bachelor's in history, mm. got her master's in communication, and then PhD in communication. So I was like, damn, that sounds dope. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I was emailing Donna about it, and she was like, oh, you should schedule an appointment with Dr. Candela. And I was like, I already got one, dude. So, to get back to what you're saying about the faculty mm-hmm. at that school. Yeah. And, oh, dude, he told me, he's like, so if this is what you do, and it's all online. I get that it's all online. Do you live near campus? I said, I live a mile that way. He's like, oh, well, if you ever need help with homework or anything, let me know. Come visit me in my office. We'll go over your work. Wow. That's, you. gosh. What? Yeah, right? What? <laughs> I was just like, uh, okay. Like, this is my first time meeting him. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I was a history major. It doesn't matter. He's like, I'm here to help you. Yeah. You can't get better than that, dude. No, and, and, and it's in our backyard. Yes, and and to go and to like look at the history and you with Dr. Lopez even, but like these are these are professors that we're familiar with because they've gotten to know us. We've gotten to know them through school, but also extracurricular activities. So that relationship, it, it makes sense that they would help us. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they don't have to, but it makes sense. This guy I meet for the first time, and same thing, I'll help you. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just like that's the way that those professors are there. Yeah, so stoked. Mm-hmm. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, I think, <laughs> but I, I think in a way it's rewarding to them, right? Like people go into education because, right, first and foremost, they want to teach yes. and they want to help. Mm-hmm. They want to further the lives of their students. Right. Having, I'm sure that probably just like having students reach out to him and for his advice. Mm-hmm. Is, I mean, that's got to be so rewarding as yeah. a professional educator, for sure. So. Yeah, that's chugging forward. That one. I'm start excited. I'm excited for you. When does that start? August. August. Yeah. Okay. So I'd have some time. That's what I was saying on the. I was recording a live feed before mm-hmm. we started recording today, and I was like, um, you know, I I was talking about I was working on um, some covers, recording some covers. Yeah. Um, singing vocal song mm-hmm. covers. Um, but also, so I was just talking about how I'm, I'm trying to like get. Things that I've been wanting to do during my bachelor's that I thought I just didn't have time. Record songs, read more books that are, are not necessarily academic. I bought Dune and uh, that comedian's book. Um, it's like now I have a time crunch, so I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to like just hammer all those mm-hmm. that fun stuff in because um, who know I don't know what that schedule looks like. I might just start with one class just because of work, graveyard, mm-hmm. plus uh, everything that's going on personally. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I don't know how my life is going to be in a year or two. So <laughs> I just want to just baby step into that. But yeah, I'm I'm excited that both of us are just like, I don't know. We're such fucking nerds, dude. <laughs> we just love it, man. We love the learning and the school, and it's it's very different stuff. But I think that continuing this podcast throughout those prospects and and adventure in life i think it'll it'll be it'll be fun can you imagine if we did this during our bachelors just constantly we it'd be just tears the whole time yeah (laughs) (laughs) so to now have this this new experience of 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 gaining more knowledge and a higher level of learning it'll be fun to kind of document that through Mm. through that experience oh definitely yeah yeah i couldn't imagine trying to do this 
with how much of a crunch like history 469 is and now like every class we're going to be taking is going to be at the level <laughs> yeah. of force of history 469 yeah so i can't wait we're going to be taking like 10 classes that are at or above the level of like right. they took for history 469 yeah so you ready? yeah i'm re- i think so <laughs> i think so man um, I'm, I'm excited i'm mostly nervous for what comes after you know the debt yeah. Yeah. Having to move, like potentially having, not right, potentially. Right. If I just, if I go into yes. this line of work, I'm going to have to right. move for, for sure. a period of my life. So sure. I have to, you know, accept all of, I have to, I have to come to, tr- I have to, there's no point in going into this program if I can't accept that now. Right. Yes. So I need to, I need to get my, my, my shit focused. Yeah. And I was just thinking about something else that you had to do. Um, fuck. What was it? You specifically, because I know that you can sometimes. What was it? Oh, I'm sorry, I can't remember. <laughs> well, if you think about it while we're recording, yeah, blurt it sure. out. Yeah. Um. T- did you have anything else? Um. No, that's about that's about it. Okay. Uh, I just I got I mean I got moved to a quasi management position with yeah. Fisherman's, yeah. but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> it's that pales in comparison For to sure. getting accepted uh, to, to American. Yeah. Freaking oh, dude! It's so epic. I'm so excited. I just I'm so happy for both of us because we've, you know, been able to make these decisions and and push right. forward on on this avenue despite like all of the rejection we've had <laughs> right in the in the past year. And for sure, this is such a good path I think for both of us. Well, since we're on topic, if you don't mind sharing your voice to your opinion to the internet world on advice, then I'm going to ask you. Okay. Okay. Um. Just this is some this is one aspect I've been kind of struggling with with this master's program sure. in particular um, is the inability to move forward with a PhD in communications. So if I get this, mm-hmm. it's a technical degree. So you cannot get a PhD with through this degree. Uh-huh. You could go into a PhD program maybe with, with history or start back to the beginning. But, you know, master's is that next step. Yeah, that is where this ends. It doesn't go to a PhD. So mm-hmm. I just want to know. Knowing me, what do you think? Okay. Um, there are PhD programs that you mm-hmm. can be accepted in. Right, right, right. Without even doing a master's. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So th- I would try to maybe find some of those. Just to keep them in your back of your mind, mm-hmm. knowing that, okay, there are options for PhDs oh, in okay. communications that I could just apply for. Mm-hmm. And even though you can't use this as a stepping stone yeah you're they're going to see most phd programs from talking with doc both dr peabody and dr lopez mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. that they want to know that you've already been thinking if someone's going to take you into their phd yeah. program and fully most of the time phds are fully funded right so you're not going to you're not going to leave with any debt on a phd mm-hmm. um they That's want they want to know that you've already been thinking about research questions that you've already gotten the ball rolling. So I don't think, even though you can't technically use this as a stepping stone, I still think it's a, it's still a stepping stone in the way that you could be like, Hey, I have a master's in communications. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's a technical, technical degree, Mm -hmm. but I've been in the field doing, you know, post undergraduate work for two Mm. years. I know the concepts. I know what questions I want to ask and what questions I want to try to answer. Fuck. So I think okay. I don't I don't think this precludes you from right. PhDs. It might be a little it might be a little more difficult to find to find one, mm-hmm. but I don't think it in any way 
from my minimal research right. into looking at that that track from mm-hmm. undergrad to master's to PhD, I don't think in any way that it, it would it would completely preclude you okay. from going into PhD. Just like as, but just keep in mind as you're as you're doing your your master's work, mm-hmm. thinking about like holes in research, right? Kind of like how we wrote our four sixty nine papers, sure. like trying to find a way to carve your own little niche mm-hmm. in the research that have or has already been done. And once you've you have that area of interest and you have that question that you want to answer, mm-hmm. that's what a PhD panel wants to hear. Right. Is that I've one, you have the training, but mm-hmm. honestly you've already been thinking about it because a PhD track is so much different than a master's track. Yeah. Basically any master's is a technical degree because they're training you to be a cog in the wheel within yes. a bureaucracy or within a company or something, how to write policy briefs, how to create content, how to basically be a professional. Mm-hmm. A PhD is clear is all about research. Right. So they just want to know that when, and when you're when you're when you're when you're applying for PhD programs that you can articulate what it is you want to research mm-hmm. and that you can do the research. Right. And you've already been thinking about the research within the field mm-hmm. from a conceptual level, right. which you're already really good at. And yeah. this is going to be an area that you, you love. Right. I don't think you, I don't think it, my advice to you is I, w- I would say I wouldn't not do masters, degree, right, this, right. this master's program right. because you don't think it can get you to a PhD. Right. I was looking at the masters, like official masters mm-hmm. of communications through WSU. And it's like, Take these classes, which are essentially all the classes listed in the online, Mm -hmm. and 28 credits of electives. Jesus. (laughs) 28 credits of electives? It's like, fuck off, dude. No. Why? 28? Yeah. Or something like that. It was a. And they're going to charge you graduate level, like, for electives? Yes. Oh, Lord. So that's, I mean,. Just, I think, more bang for the buck, which is, you know, not really the best thing to say, but I mean, it kind of is. Well, you don't have um, to, you don't have to pay living costs on Pullman. Yeah. It's just, it just seems like a better option. Um, and, and, and one thing that Dr. Iyer was bringing up was like, he's like, you know, with communications, that line between, uh, advertising, marketing and communications <laughs> is kind of getting blurred. Mm-hmm. They want uh, any, any organization is going to want you to have some knowledge in marketing so that you can promote whatever it is that they're they promoting. From, yeah. um, and I said, I, you know, I said, you know, what's interesting that you say as far as this blurred line between communications and um, and let's say a business mm-hmm. or, or marketing, if you will. Um, I see the blurred line in history and communications of you know, just in public history, more specifically, that role that that's needed for for I mean, not necessarily that these institutions are going to pay somebody these master level communication wages to do outreach for their organization. But there is that. I mean, even if even if I volunteer and have that knowledge of that communications degree, mm-hmm. I can just see how much it will help in to the republic. And and say what you mean as far as creating a product that is better than it is today. Yeah, you know what I mean for sure. I, I I can't help but think about, although this is a completely different discipline, I can't help think about what it could do for me mm-hmm. as it as somebody who studies history. Yeah, which what is it, weird. I mean, what is it you want to do? I mean, do you want to go into education or research as a career, or do you want to to work? 
as in a company. No, I want to work for the government okay, <laughs> in communications. Okay, then you don't need a PhD. Right. Like a PhD is not going to do you any good. But in I that also role. am going to do. So I'm going to dip my foot in and we'll see how this feels once I do it. Once I'm done and I'm in communications and I'm working mm-hmm. for whatever part of the government it is. There are so many part-time positions as a communications professor at community colleges, and all you need is your master's. Yeah. And it would be so fun. And that's what I just, regardless of where I stand and the journey that you and I both have taken from 100% we want to be educators to, well, now we've found different interests and passions, there's still a little part of me that just, that loves the idea of teaching. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just I still have that romantic idea of teaching. And I think that that's why I love To the Republic so much because it is a form for us to, to really dive down and, and find – because we do discuss while we're doing the whole thing what is the best way that we can say this or present this information mm-hmm. so that it's it's absorbed. Yeah. Um, and that's just me also being a nerd and thinking about, you know, uh, what was it, 480? Oh yeah, you know, teach, mm-hmm. what was it? Uh, teaching social studies methods of teaching, methods social, of teaching studies. social studies. Uh, so I mean that stuff, the the methods part, I'm I'm in love with. Um, but I really like what you said as far as like uh, questions, and I think you know I listened to a really interesting um, podcast. That's what I was looking at. Is I'm not finished with it yet. I'm almost done. It's Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. but he had this Renee DiResta is the director of research at New Knowledge and a Mozilla fellow in media misinformation and trust. And she hmm. did like she I think she's also like an investigative journalist. Anyways, she was looking at misinformation being spread on social media and sure. Twitter. That shit is so interesting to me. Um and I think that I could find so many holes that people just aren't looking at as far as uh engagement with misinformation or the spreading of misinformation i just think that there's there's different ways to look at data and draw different conclusions to answer different questions i think that with social media specifically it's still so new mm-hmm. it i mean it's not new but i mean this this idea of misinformation and contention on sure. these platforms um is so new that for for academics to take a look at it i think is an important but also to give people an understanding of what the hell we're dealing with as far as manipulation yeah i it sounds like you're already on your way to a phd (laughs) we'll see we'll see i mean that's what a phd is though is finding answers to questions right for sure i mean that's what your that's what a whole your whole phd Mm -hmm. that's your doctoral thesis would be Mm -hmm. on Sounds like you're already thinking. Yeah, I'm obsessed with this idea of answering those questions or asking those questions, especially when it comes to communication. And 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 I and I know that you do have an interest in uh, communication. Last week's episode, you said, I wish that I could find a way to simplify this long constructed idea into something more eloquent and precise. Mm -hmm. That is analyzing a, com- a form of communication that is how can i say that and that's why i loved english so much i think it's just the deconstruction of language when you're looking at a piece of literature w- okay y- you can interpret it on fa- at face value of what the author meant but if you really wanted to get artsy and, and deeper into it you could literally pick out each word and maybe the author didn't specifically use each word intentionally mm-hmm. but what if they did what if he or she did? Or is latent based on the time yes. that they lived in. Yes. Yeah. 
Exactly. And what does that mean? Now look at the arrow. What is the language? Why is it used that way? And what does that mean? Does it mean anything different than it does today? So I think that just I am so thankful for my experiences in English and in history because I think that that will make me a better student in communications. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. But we'll see. I'm sure. Anyways, I mean, that's all I you have. You have such a diverse, like, <laughs> interdisciplinary background. Yeah. So it's all over. I think the you're gonna. Place. I think you're gonna be super. Well, t- but I think as I think 50 years from now, you're going to see so much interdisciplinary work, mm-hmm. and I think the the blurring of lines between mm-hmm. disciplines is going to really start to right. take off. And I fucking hope so, dude. You look at uh. History, no one gives a shit about history. And it's like, what are you, like, people just dismiss it. People say they love it. Everybody says they love it. Oh, I'm a history buff. Oh, I fucking love history. But it's like war. It's like, oh, I, I, I freaking love the World War Two. Yeah. It's like, well, Do you? Ancient aliens? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, History Channel's not history. Right. But anyway, now we're now we're just on our soapbox. That's okay. Well, I'm going to promote <laughs> history. Fuck them. Uh, but then, you know, uh, people don't – I know that these history buffs are these people who claim to love history. I imagine that if they, they've had those experiences that you and I have had when we're looking through – you know, if we have – like we mm-hmm. have a question about yeah. history and we're looking through these primary sources in that moment, you find something that is even slightly answering your question. I know that everyone who says that they love history would I, – I can't imagine they wouldn't enjoy that. Right. Um, but – I think there's only from our graduating class. Mm-hmm. I think there's only three mm-hmm. that are going into master's programs, and none oh. of them are in history. Oh, really? Well, meet you and I. Yeah, and then um, Elise Piet. Oh, she's in the master's in teaching. Teaching, yeah. I mean, I think going in, like, yeah, we'll yeah, be yeah. teaching secondary, right? Education and history. Yes. Which I I hope they tailor it towards that social studies history. It's all about just methods. Oh, Mostly okay. all the okay, MIT okay. is just like methods of like how to construct curriculum and stuff like right. that. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I haven't heard great things about that program. Yeah. Me neither. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean... I just think that. Uh, well, and I was also super turned off by it. Mm-hmm. Several times, like I reached out, they could not have seemed less interested in me as a person. Huh? So I just I'm pretty Who'd turned you reach off. Out to? You don't hold on. Tell me. I'll pause it. <laughs> but in person, <laughs> he's uh, he was he was super nice and and he seemed super helpful as far as like what the degree, the masters in teaching program does for mm-hmm. you um that he, he constantly told me like you know once you get out like once you graduate we'll help you find a job um but i think with you and i as anyone who listens they know that we've developed these interests um in other things mm-hmm. political science not that you haven't had that interest but now um international relations specifically yeah. um and me just doing this shit podcasting and and i love content creation and video making and all of that stuff. So, um, but I think that what's interesting is that you have so many students who are going into school, not knowing what they want to do, not knowing what they should do and getting a degree in marketing or business and then not really knowing what to do afterwards. 
not that you and I have the answers of what to do afterwards, but we went for something that we enjoy, mm-hmm. something that we love. As much as, as much hard work as it was, we still enjoyed the hard work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And then we're continuing that pattern of following our interests and joys and things that we enjoy and pursuing those. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't imagine, you know, these students being diving into shit that they're not interested in, but it happens all the time. Yeah. And I, mean, I, I look at most of the business majors. Yeah. I know people and it's like, I can't imagine going to a business degree with, and not being, and not being passionate about it and then being super hyped to find a business job afterwards. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if I got a history job tomorrow, I would be thrilled. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it, but that's because I went in and studied something that I love and to get a job Mm -hmm. and that would be amazing with these guys or or gals. If they're doing business just because they don't know what else to do, Mm -hmm. then they get a job in business. It's like, Oh, well here we go. Nine to five. You know what I mean? I I would imagine that that's how it is. Obviously, there are exceptions to the rule. I'm sure there are a ton of people who are just in love with marketing and in love with business and business management. Um, One of the supervisors that I work with, he he has his degree in business and business management. Actually, international business is what his degree is. Uh, Ah, okay. um, And he loves like the business management part of his job. Sure, he loves it. I'm sure most people in business like. (laughs) do like it yeah but there's some people who are just there because like they think that that's the quick that's the, the yes. best way to go make money yes. just to get a business degree yes. and i couldn't imagine how miserable school would be right if you're just in a major only because you think of it as a money maker a money maker well and that's one thing i was advised for the the communications mm-hmm. was like don't think of this as a money maker even though the jobs in communications pay well but i think it was just a matter of Again, him advising me to go in for the right reasons. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm excited for both of us just to see where those, what those things are. Yeah, he's chewing on a bone, dude. Oh, I, I, I kept hearing that. I wasn't sure. I didn't know. I didn't realize the dogs were even in here. Look at, look how cute Dexter looks right now sleeping over there. Dude, he's such a squish. He's a little squish. Uh, so yeah, that's our update on our lives. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for listening to yeah. that. We're all just really, I think both of us are just incredibly excited. Yeah, for sure. So, Thanks for listening to us talk about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have anything in particular as far as news that you'd want to talk about? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot going on in <laughs> politics, man. It's just, it's so gross now. I've always, I mean, all I couldn't wait every single week to come and talk about what the latest like mm-hmm. stuff is going on with you know the Democratic Party or the Republicans, and I'm just like the fact that more Republicans, self-proclaimed conservatives, always watching out for the encroachment of the executive branch. Yeah, only 14 broke with the president over his over his national yes. security. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his national emergency declaration. Yeah, yeah. Only 14. Yeah. Of you broke with him. Yeah. You can't call yourself a conservative anymore. If 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 that if you're not a conservative anymore, you're a Trumpite. <laughs> you got to rebrand yourself, dude, because that's not there's no way in hell you can spin that spin what you are yeah. or at least what you're 
complicitly letting happen mm-hmm. and call yourself a conservative. That's the Senate? Senate, Okay, yeah. so what? what is... They need seventy five. No, they would. They would need sixty. It's two thirds. Yeah, 60, majority. Sixty six, sixty seven. Okay, and how many do they have? Um, fifty nine. <sighs> Jesus, they're not getting it. You don't think so? No. Ugh. Hmm. No, because they're they're too they're too afraid of the ire of Trump. And you know, Tom Tom Tillis when when the, when it was Tom Tillis is a he's a son he's a Republican senator. Mm-hmm. Um. I think he's from West Virginia. He um, came out and said that, you know, how wrong it was of the president to do this. This was overstepping the bounds, mm-hmm. not making a an argument for or against the wall, just saying the process in which the president is trying to do it is wrong. Yes. It's unconstitutional. Well, when push came to shove, where did he vote? Stayed really? With, stayed with the president. Wow, dude. Talk is fucking cheap. Yep. That's annoying. And then there was 20, uh, 24 Republicans yeah. made public statements denouncing the president. Ten of them. 24? St- 24. <laughs> ten of them stayed with the president when it came time to vote. That's weird. Well, I think it's because the president has a lot of, I mean, this is politics. Mm-hmm. You have party whips, which go around and like tell young, con- young congressmen. Yeah. This is how you're going to vote, or you're not going to have the support of the party going forward. Basically, trying to this is rampant in parliamentary systems, much more than it is in presidential systems, but they still exist in presidential Mm -hmm. systems. And basically, I think the the whips got to got to to a few of the not as ideological um, members of the Senate, whereas I think there was legitimate ideological constitutional concerns among the the fourteen that did break, Um, but not enough. Are you seeing any? Are they receiving any blowback for that vote? Those who voted against Trump? No, doesn't seem to be. Really? At least not nationally. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the fuck what the conservative entertainment industry is doing, yeah. but yeah. Um, I most of the it doesn't seem like Rubio or anything didn't they Rubio Romney um, some of the other uh, made uh, Pat Toomey mm-hmm. some of the more um, ranking Senate Republicans yeah. haven't qualified didn't even feel the need to qualify their stance on really? social media. Wow. So they, that means they're not getting much pushback from their constituents. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Oh, and another one, Mike Lee, which mm-hmm. I I would not, I mean, I think Mike Lee is a travesty of a, of a U.S. Senator, but he, he broke with the president, which was interesting because he's hmm. in the past been a big supporter of the president. So you start this is like the first time the republican party has really broken with him yeah but it's it's not enough it's It's not not enough enough of them so the next step was the veto which he i don't think he's officially done yet oh really oh he he tweeted veto i don't know if he's officially signed the veto did Did he i'm not sure we'll check i might be wrong it's okay we'll look had a lot going on (laughs) um trump veto national emergency let's see what we got here Trump issues first veto after Congress rejects border. Oh, so he did. Yeah, he did yeah. actually sign the veto. Yes, okay, thought so. Um, so now what? We go to that two-thirds vote. It would have to go back to the Senate, who has the, the ability, who has the ability um, to overturn it. But mm-hmm. it would be two-thirds. It needs they need two-thirds, so they would need an additional what seven, eight Republicans. Whew. I mean, oh, but okay. Just hypothetically, just thinking about this, 
Um, this is just me and my fantasy world. But let's say there was a fear that if they didn't vote one way, they would be receiving this blowback and they would be their constituents would be pissed. Mm-hmm. But then you have the examples of those 14 who didn't get received blowback and did vote against him. Maybe that is set an example for the others who publicly said that they were against it but voted one way. Now that they've seen that maybe it's a little more acceptable, they, they'll change their tune. As long as Mitch McConnell continues to side with the president, I don't know if you'll see a major yeah. shift in the Republican Party in the Senate. <sighs> McConnell, McConnell needs to put his... No McC- way. McConnell needs to put his neck out. No way. But he's too much of a turtle. Yeah. Turtle. So. Turtle. No way, dude. Damn. So, do the courts play any role in this? Will they? Can they? They can. Yeah. This is the first time a national emergency has been over has been overturned. Mm-hmm. However, briefly. Yeah. I by the Congress, yeah. by the legislature. The other one, um, which was the Truman yep. in the U.S. steel industry mm-hmm. national emergency to. Um, Truman wanted to temporarily nationalize the steel industry, and the mm-hmm. courts overturned that. Yeah. So there is precedence there. Right. I mean, Trump laid it, so eloquently laid it out with his sing-song voice when he was in the Rose Garden when he announced his national emergency, and he's like, we'll probably get sued yes. in the Ninth District Court, and then it'll go... And then he's like, well, if we get a fair shake in the Supreme Court... That's he did lay out the process, yeah, and there probably will be a challenge in the yeah. ninth Supreme Ninth Circuit, which is yeah. one of the more liberal circuit yeah. courts. Um, so, I mean, there's and then you got then you had the issue of uh, of uh, of states' rights, where there's already been like what twenty states filed mm-hmm. uh, lawsuits mm-hmm. against um, the president. So, hmm. But it's going to be hard because, I mean, this is just going to create so much institutional hardball. Yeah. Stuff we talked about in our last episode yeah. of public of uh, To Their Public. And I think that this is this is one of those cases that you wish you'd, the Democrats had kept some of their ammo holstered mm-hmm. instead of, you know, shooting off about other things. Because this is a legitimate, like, constitutional crisis. Yes, yes. And Washington, like, Bob Ferguson in Washington has already sued the Trump, like, bragged about how many times he's sued the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. If he... Just say he had done that. This was the first time he was actually suing. Right. It would. I feel like it would carry more weight with yeah. people than it's like. <laughs> oh, he's just suing Trump again because yes, he doesn't like Trump. Exactly. Exactly. It w- and, it would absolutely have more weight. And this is this is the erosion of norm, like the erosion yes. of norms that we're, we've we've been harping on. Yeah. It's just you can't just because you don't like Trump doesn't mean you can't just use your constitutional powers every single time yes. you want them because yes. of the hardball that it creates by the from the other side in retaliation. And now I really think that a lot of these um, states that are run by Democrats have hurt themselves in the long run. Oh, did you see the bill? Like, there's 11 states, including Colorado, have passed a bill saying that they won't abide by the elect- electoral college. And then that they will only—they're only going to give their delegates to the winner of the popular of the national popular vote. Mm-mm. I don't even know how that's possible. They just said they're going to like Colorado said they they passed a uh, a law mm-hmm. um, over the week like Friday yeah. that said that they won't um, if Colorado so say Trump won Colorado yes in Colorado's eleven like eleven or whatever um, electoral co- electoral college points. But the popular vote went with the Democratic candidate. Right. Colorado would send its delegates to the Democratic candidate following the popular vote. 
That's not our system. You can that's complain. Of, you can complain about our system all you want, but that's it's. We're not a we're not a direct democracy. We're you can't a just republic. Throw your fit like that. Have fundamental moves towards change, towards mm-hmm. fundamental change. Yeah. Don't just say, "I'm taking my ball and going home." Exactly. I don't like this game. Mm-hmm. I just want to real quick, if you're listening to this episode and if you listened to the last episode, if you listen to any episode, we appreciate it. But one thing that Jake and I have continuously discussed is this notion of democratic norms. And we spent an episode of To the Republic. It's up on our podcast feed. It's also available at uh, kxrwvancouver.org. Uh, um, but it's him and I discussing the intricacies and necessities and consequences of democratic norms. Um, and that was, we took, we used that as an, our opportunity to really analyze them, um, to learn about them, but also to teach about them. And so when you hear us discuss that and you're like, what the hell are they talking about mm-hmm. as far as norms? <laughs> um, I think that that is a great episode. And that's one that I think we were both very proud of. Um, so if you are listening and you want maybe more background information on democratic norms, th- Jake and I are both very proud of that one. So check it out. Um, but back to that. That's annoying. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't see how that's possible. It's not. There's no way it'll fly. And But it so why pass like why pass it? It's, it's, it's because there's yes. I mean, there's so much like fury amongst Democratic voters because they think they've in two of the last like what five elections mm-hmm. they've their candidates have been screwed by the yes. electoral college mm-hmm. because the popular vote has been won. But our, that's our system. That's yes. our system that has been in place. You can't just all of a sudden cry about it now because it didn't go your way. Right. It's unfortunate that the popular vote has at times not followed the electoral co- like electoral college has not followed the public mm-hmm. uh, the popular vote. But that is our system and the electoral college for its its faults mm-hmm. in the modern era is more was was instituted for more reasons than expediency back in the early mm-hmm. back in the early republic when it was hard to gather votes in rural areas and and get them in a, in an in expedited time to Washington DC and count the vo- count the votes mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff it was it was also meant as a check against um against the tyranny of mob mentality mm-hmm. and and keeping with the the electoral college is keeping in the spirit of a republic right and that is it's so that the electoral college gives voices to areas of the country that otherwise would be more more marginalized right because wyoming yes wyoming does not have enough population to warrant its three electoral college points mm-hmm. a, a vote in wyoming is proportionately more valuable than a vote in California because of the amount of population relative to how many electoral because a state can't have less than three electoral college points given there's not enough population to warrant that those three Mm -hmm. it really should be like one or two Mm -hmm. but in in California it's 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 55 but that's a direct like proportionality yeah it's a reflection of the population and it's a true it's a true like ratio yeah whereas in wyoming it the ratio is actually higher to interesting towards it's actually it's it's a skewed ratio right so that's one of the biggest complaints right but imagine if you lived in wyoming (laughs) you would feel like you'd feel like the major population centers which are culture as in a widespread of a country as the united states is are incredibly culturally different they have different values different different expectations about what the role of government is careers industry 
everything. So the electoral college gives gives a voice, however marginal, to people who otherwise wouldn't have it in a direct democracy. Mm-hmm. That's why that's the, that's why the electoral college was instituted. Right. Now we can we can say that maybe it's outdated. It it doesn't work. Maybe it needs to be changed. But to completely just on the state level basis, trying to change how that works, right? Where others are staying with it, like that's just. I'm sorry, like that is just not part. That's not within the spirit of our republic, right? And and I I could not disagree with with Colorado and the other states' mm-hmm. um, opinion, mm-hmm. like uh, decision more, right? Anyway. I feel like a lot of those decisions or or laws passed by the, on these state levels are more symbolic than anything. More of like we're not again we're not on that team. We're not in that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that that's what it is more of. But it is. It's annoying. Like like you're saying, why? What are you doing? It's I I hope in any way, shape, or form, it doesn't work or happen. Um, that got me thinking about one thing, though. One thing I want to say about Trump is uh, he, uh, you know, he's got, whether it's him or his advisors or somebody in his back pocket um, who may or may not be the leader of another country, um, whoever it is, <laughs> whether it's him or someone else. I just he, picked up on that. That was funny. <laughs> His ability to manipulate the systems that are in place are phenomenal. When he was on that campaign trail, he knew where he was going to win. No, no, he didn't. He knew where he was going to lose. So he didn't spend time there. That's interesting. It, I think historically, if, if, if you were to analyze and look at just his campaign trail, his dedication to certain places... And to pick that apart and analyze that, that would be super interesting. He identified um, one of the most genius aspects of his campaign mm-hmm. was spending as much time. He got lamb blasted for spending time in Pennsylvania, yep. Michigan, and Wisconsin. And they told him, there's no way you're winning the Rust Belt. Mm-hmm. You're not winning the Rust Belt. Why aren't you spending more time in Florida? Why aren't you spending more time in Virginia? Why aren't mm-hmm. you spending more time in Colorado? These are the swing states that you... He was told, the experts were saying, he has a legit shot to win. If he wants a path to the presidency, mm-hmm. he needs to be spending more time in those states. He won and won the fucking Rust Belt. Yeah. That's what so, I'm saying. So, I mean, he... he his The Manaforts, the... Um, who's Who's your boy? The... My boy, <laughs> I'm just kidding because you're always talking. You're always talking about that. Uh, um, who's the dude that was just arrested? Roger Stone. Oh yeah, yeah. Watch that show. I know. <laughs> um, these guys are political geniuses. Yes, yes. Much like Karl Rove was for, for for President Bush. Right. And they knew the right keywords, the right trigger words, and whatever yes. area that he was at mm-hmm. to get that vote out. Right. Now it is should be noted that. President, like, so Senator McCain, so this is how low voter turnout was in 2016. Senator McCain in 2008 mm-hmm. received more votes in a losing campaign than either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump received in 2016. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. So you can, you can chalk up wow. Trump winning as much to apathy as you could 
anything else. Also, what does that say? That's it. This is an interesting point. I think I am hoping this comes out. I hope this is as valid as I'm thinking it is. What does that say about this argument of the popular vote? Even though Trump lost the popular vote, the voter turnout was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So you're trumping this popular vote thing around. Maybe those who voted can trump that around and say we voted, but though that turnout comparison right there mm-hmm. is embarrassing. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, President Trump. <laughs> I mean, you, the country got what it asked for. Yes. You but get what you deserve, dude. If you're not going to participate, okay. And I, I've said this before. If it was 100% voter participation mm-hmm. and he won, even with the Electoral College, I'm down. But it's a, it's annoying and it's you can't I mean those who do vote can bitch because they are playing the game they're participating mm-hmm. but for those who don't don't get to complain they don't get to bitch whether you wanted Hillary or Trump or whoever you're not allowed to talk <laughs> <laughs> unless you're doing uh, on that now I will amend that and say like if you've learned your lesson mm-hmm. and now you're trying to become a little more politically active and you're out there and you're and you're organizing and you and you're ra- ramping up for midterms or lo- local elections yeah. and then yes you're excused from that allowing to vote complaint that i have or uh allow, allowing to complain that i have mm-hmm. um but it's just it's frustrating dude it is and i mean the counter argument to what we're saying yes. is like you should go you need to go vote like right. there's no excuse for not voting yes. if you want to complain about the situation yeah um i mean it's your civ- i believe you and i i think both agree that it's your civic duty regardless yes. of how you feel about the system it's your civic duty as an american to go and vote we also did an episode on to the republic on voting Check on voting <laughs> uh, episode two yes. um very relevant to what we're talking about right now yeah. because the counter argument to what we're saying mm-hmm. is that the two part like the way that the way that the voting rules are set up, yeah. even though it's not technically a two-party system, mm-hmm. the way the voting rules are set up, it funnels, it forces a two only two parties have only yes. two parties have a legitimate shot to ev- ever holding power in the in the United States. So they would say that the way the system is set up creates apathy in itself mm-hmm. because what it does is it it funnels what are the two most perceived um, electable candidates. Not right. people aren't voting based on preference; they're voting based on who's the most electable, and then that creates like a cult of personality. Once you've seen the, de- right. the, the degradation of um, the primary of the primary rules, kind of like the the, um, the bounce, like basically the parties have become the bouncers to the presidency. Like mm-hmm. they determine who gets to play and who doesn't get to play. But as that, but you can, you can almost even see like a parallel of what could happen if we got rid of the electoral college within the primaries themselves, mm-hmm. because then now you have unbound you have bound delegates and it's more of a direct um, it's more of how the primary systems work, especially in the Republican party is more of a direct, direct democracy. Mm-hmm. And you can end up with more cult of personality type people, people yeah. like Trump winning those kind of elections. Extremists. Don't don't. So don't think that just because that all of our problems in this, on this, in this country are going to be fixed by doing away with electoral college. There's right. much, much more that is, that's creating this, political culture that we're seeing right now right. The, the how our elections are turning out there's a lot more to it than just eliminating the electoral college that's like that's a superficial fix right um that's a, and, and there, like that and there's always a double-edged sword yeah to this there's always going to be ramifications unintended consequences um 
unforeseen consequences. Mm-hmm. Consequences that you you think you might not even have planned for that may be worse. Yeah. That people don't consider. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is a f- fair counterpoint. And we know that we've heard that from people. Um, and I get I get how people refer to the presidency as a popularity contest of either two parties and they're not representative of me and hashtag not my president. And nah, 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 nah. But that's why we have such an interesting successful system of checks and balances. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you don't want to vote for president, fine, I guess. But the importance of your local representatives matters within that system of checks and balances. And you could argue that those people are more representative of your community. They should be because they're closer to home. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know. I was just thinking about his way of manipulating systems. Um, and whoever was been advising him is is been okay so far um another thing i was thinking about was his uh and you and i've discussed this but just um getting senate approved people within his cabinet and then having them just so happen to quit and then pushing forward his agendas with lackeys who are there who are just going to help him get those approved mm-hmm. the, he, he knows he has like a, a couple month window yes um to get shit like rammed through yeah. until he has to worry about the senate you know actually confirming somebody yeah he there's an understanding there of the rules of the norms mm-hmm. and how wait is this legal can i do this or can i not do this well it's a democratic norm oh is it okay fucking i'm breaking it yeah and i think that's a ceo mentality yes. that he has yes he views himself as America's CEO. Yes, absolutely. That's not how, I mean, that's a business. Yes. That's a businessman right. running a democratic government. And people people want that. They think they, they want think that. They think they want that. Sorry. Yes. Very well. Corrected. They think they want a freaking CEO as the president. Well, just because he's good at business means it's going to be good for me. It's like, that doesn't. How do you draw that connection? What is a CEO's <laughs> job to do? In a big corporation, yeah, you make it prosper. Maximize yes. the wealth of, of of him and his in in the stockholders. Yes, and eventually that will trickle. His success will trickle down to mm, everybody else. Yeah, that's 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 the mentality of right. of Trump. Yeah, I think and how he views his role as president of the United the CEO. States. Yeah, <laughs> and he, I think he thinks what's good for me is what's good for the rest of the country. And yeah. I think we're finding out that that's way more complex yeah. <laughs> than that. That 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 cult of personality with him, it's interesting that people just identify at, to him as like a representative of them. Like he's a billionaire, millionaire. How do you think he knows what it's like for you to work two jobs and barely fund your, uh, afford your medical bills? You think he can empathize with that? You know what I'm saying? Mm, I mean, no. But you and I have talked about people constantly voting against their own self-interest, and it's just like, I, I, it's just he's such he's so interesting to me, and and I've I've definitely shifted from um, complete hatred <laughs> to more interest. Like, it's it's, I don't know. Even in the way he talks, he talks in circles and. He says trigger words, and he he does what needs to be done to get people to focus on words or 
partial sentences that are said to make those arguments to stand up for him, even though they're not valid arguments. But I'm just saying, I'm just more recently, I'm getting more and more interested in how and what he does. And I think it's something that should be analyzed because I worry that his opposition will start playing those same games. Start picking up on what he's doing to win, what he's doing to gain footing, and do using those same things. Yes, I. but I think you could also argue that President Obama did this on a much lesser scale. Okay. Using social media, using mm. um, trigger words, right. identity politics. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, once he was given power, generally, other yes. than a couple of actors throughout history yes. who were presidents, not actual actors. I'm like, just, <laughs> like Ronald Reagan Ronald was an Reagan. actor. No, I'm just saying like people who like people who became president. Yes. Most of the time, like majority of our presidents, the weight of the job has pushed them back to the median, mm-hmm. regardless of what their campaign rhetoric was. Mm-hmm. That was definitely the case with President Obama as he as the, the weight and the, the magnitude of the job yeah. hit him. Mm-hmm. He definitely became more of a moderate than I think what he campaigned as. Yeah. Which is how most people have acted That's and true. why we've been on a gradual, slow, but gradual mm-hmm. um you know, progressive rise over the, you know, over our several dec- several centuries as a country. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, clearly this guy does not care about norms. Right. And, but I think just to my point that he wasn't the first, he just has become the best at it. Right. And unrepentant about it. I feel like in the beginning, he may have had a few weeks of that initial shock. Mm-hmm. Of like ho- realizing the magnitude of the position, but I definitely I do think that you have a point in saying that he's shift gears and mentality towards like running this show as a CEO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think he he views it as I I don't know what he views it right. I, right. I don't I speculation. Don't, yeah, I yeah I I mean I think if you if you wanted to view him not as like a completely self-interested person I mm-hmm. think just his worldview right shapes how he sees um, problems mm-hmm. and he thinks that because his always worked out for him and his businesses what's best for him has mm-hmm. worked out for his businesses that he can just take that exact model blueprint yeah. and model and apply it to how he's running the country right um, and I think because he's somewhat of a narcissist, also incredibly um i think he wants i think his continued i think megan mccain's pushback against donald president trump's most recent attacks at john mccain's character Mm -hmm. was was spot on and that's like he want i think he wants to be loved i really do think he wants to be that's why he loves being with his crowds Mm -hmm. he wants to be adulated he wants to be loved by the people right and i think it kills him that he isn't in a way Mm -hmm. i might be completely off basis here but that's okay i it's our podcast we can say whatever the (laughs) hell we want i know but he's just um i don't want to say anything that's completely out of left field right but i do i do think that it it drives him nuts and it causes him to want to codify power around himself mm-hmm. the more and more he receives pushback. Right. Oh, you can see him harden up whenever there's opposition 
like large movements of opposition. You can see him kind of his stance gets a little stronger. Mm-hmm. He gets a little tougher. Um, but that just seems like a business tactic tactic. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, fuck. I was just thinking. About, oh, uh, j- just these budget cuts to education and Medicare and Medicaid. And, uh, I'm interested to see what his supporters are going if they're gonna just blindly support that i did see some you know i was looking through some comments on some articles Mm -hmm. um referring to these cuts and there were some people who were just like uh you know i've been a republican my entire life and this is too far so we'll see uh, some of the comments honestly reminded me of how you've been feeling for the last two years three years Mm -hmm. um so that was interesting, but I think that once you start playing with those things with people, I think that that's, you know, there there was all this drama with, you know, I'm thinking about like uh, the Affordable Care Act and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just worry about propaganda for or against and people being, you know, doing that research and listening to that woman speak on Joe Rogan, just how manipulative people can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how manipulated they can be. Um, it's scary. And I just, I, you know, uh, when, when you have large masses who, who follow this person, this cult of personality or they're, they're in it for the team, um, that that worries me because I I think that this is something you've you've brought up before. His short sightedness I think is now been adopted by those who support him, and they're looking at these short term gains. If you make these budget cuts for funding a wall, what are the repercussions later? And I don't think that people think about that. I don't think they're considering. What could happen in the future? Obviously not, because, well, I don't want to get down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Do you know what I'm thinking? No. Oh, fucking climate change. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, we're all gonna die. The planet's destroyed. Um, but you know what I mean. I just, I just, I worry about. It's just weird. This, this idea of just being short-sighted, not considering the ramifications of these decisions internationally mm-hmm. at home nobody is considering or even talking about that it's weird i mean i'm sure there are people in the international relations articles and stuff that you're reading that do i mean we've talked yeah. about those long-term um consequences but at home people sacrificing uh medical benefits for what to keep them mexicans out i guess dude yeah. I think we're just so distracted as a culture, mm-hmm. as a society mm-hmm. that short-term gains is all we can all we can collectively think right. about. Instant gratification, mm-hmm. likes, subscribes to our podcasts and our social well, media. Well, there's so <laughs> many there's so many things grabbing our attention. Right, right. Right. Every t- every time we think we have anytime someone attempts to even think about something deeper on what president trump has currently done mm-hmm. he's got another tweet out the right. next day that requires our attention to shift right and like okay what does that mean or the ramifications i think that even people who 
who force themselves to think about issues deeper right don't have time right it's hard to keep up with him we do this weekly and we're just like we talked about that we mentioned this a little bit uh on one of our more, more recent episodes but it's like um he does so many things that affect so many different things you know what i mean or, mm-hmm. or does things in different ways that it's just like holy shit that is completely different than the way he had done this or the way that he changed that or the way he spoke about this and it's like we're constantly trying to analyze it and keep up with it but like you're saying it's yeah. just boom boom well, next, he, next, he, next. well he doesn't read him he doesn't read like he doesn't read himself like he doesn't read to learn a subject fuck no he just <laughs> he totally trusts his gut because it's work for him or fox news fox fucking fox and friends and he just he's like well doesn't matter what the history Ugh, or don't any, say that. Anything that has happened with this interaction in the past. Yes. It's clearly, what does my gut tell me? That's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. It's just, it's super dangerous. And it I is, think, it is. I think a clear example of that is, is that he, I don't know if he talked about it on here or not, but mm-hmm. I think he, he views like the way that, his rhetoric and even his actions in mm-hmm. terms of put, imposing tariffs on the European Union, mm-hmm. um, backing uh, Marine Le Pen in France, backing the Brexit movement in England, mm-hmm. um, budding up with uh, fledging dictators in the Eastern Bloc and right. Poland and Austria. He... I don't know if he clearly understands like the long term. He doesn't. He, he doesn't. doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't understand the long term ramifications of a disunified Europe. Mm-hmm. But I think he th- he thinks that breaking up the European Union is paramount mm-hmm. to United States stability mm-hmm. because it's going to be easier for him. Just clearly a business standpoint. Yes. What is it easy? How is it yes. going to be easier for the United States to get favorable trade deals? Yes. And it's much easier to do that bilaterally than it is multilaterally yes and what i'm what i mean by that is that it's much easier for him to negotiate with brexit with britain alone mm-hmm. than it is for him to have to negotiate with all of the eu yes. to get a to get a trade deal with the entire european union right so he sees the breakup as of europe mm-hmm. as essential to enhancing america's economic um portfolio right or like it's, it's economics to like creating more economic wealth he mm-hmm. needs to break up the united the right. eu because the eu is the biggest competing block to the united states in terms of economics right even though we have we're allies in both security economic and governmental institutions mm-hmm. political institutions with all pretty much all of those countries mm-hmm. have long established alliances with them mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because he i think he just clearly sees Everything through the lens of of a zero-sum game. I think that is a great example of how he's viewing it through that business lens. Mm-hmm. These, this is my competition. Yeah. I need to, to simplify my competition mm-hmm. to just one-on-one, and then I'll deal with everybody else. Because he knows that the weight of the United States can push around yes. Germany by itself, or right. it can push around England by itself. Two very strong markets in their own right mm-hmm. aren't going to hold a candle to the, United, to the to the power of the United States economically right. and militarily. So he knows he can push around countries. We a, a collective Europe much more difficult. Yeah. So. Hmm. 
I like so, that. So it appears, right, it appears that, okay, well, he's doing Putin's bidding because what does Putin want? Right. Putin also wants a, a decentralized yes. Europe for different, probably for way different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but you can see, like, there's a shared, there's almost like a shared goal mm-hmm. from Trump and Putin. Mm-hmm. And, I th- but I don't think it's, like, they want the same outcome, mm-hmm. but not for the re- same reasons, right. obviously. Right, you know, Trump isn't looking at uh, taking over, <laughs> right. like, taking over Europe and expanding America's mm-hmm. empire. Um, but, right. the at least not in Europe. Um, but, yeah, I don't, yeah, anyway, it's, it's interesting because I, I think that, People see that and like, oh, he's clearly working with Putin. Right. He's like, well, there's another explanation right. for that. For sure. And and there could be in it, in the the ramifications could be the same. If you're talking about like these, like as we saw with um with the movie we just watched, uh, they shall not grow old. Mm-hmm. What happens when Europe goes to war with each with themselves? Right. Cat- it's could, super clean could, and and <laughs> and it's easy. over in a, and it's over in a day, right? Yeah. So. Um, one thing that that Renee DiResto was saying was, um, in this Mueller investigation, you know, maybe they won't find that there was collusion, but what we do know is there was absolutely interference and influence on social media from Russia, mm-hmm. um, and it, and it kind of harps on that what you're saying as far as similar interests, <laughs> um, Hillary's rhetoric about Russia was threatening Putin's regime. Mm-hmm. They did not want her to win. Trump wants to be the president. He wants to win. So it's in Russia's best interest to have Trump win. Yeah. So they're going to do, they did manipulate the election. You look at the data is there on the social media, mm-hmm. from social media. They were creating memes. They were creating fake accounts. They were um, engaging with people in arguments to try to manipulate. This woman talks about them starting uh like Facebook groups and and social media groups and starting platforms simply um, starting platforms in like 2014 silly ones like mm-hmm. focused on Kermit the Frog or Homer Simpson and then once it get, got closer to the midterms and the and the presidential elections changing their rhetoric to political so they gain followers by posting silly memes and mm-hmm. funny things and then once politics hits they switch and now regardless of whether you agree or disagree that information is coming to you in your phone you're reading it you're scrolling past it whether you agree disagree or know that it's false that's a way for them to get that information to you or those ideas mm-hmm. to you yeah um and Gosh, they and that's sh- scary dude it's terrifying people are so stupid and they're not going to think twice and she's talking about um how uh um fuck what was i thinking uh oh yeah similar interests um how oh yeah that's right so instead of instead of saying um instead of saying for some of the they would also create more if you will left liberal pages <laughs> um uh she talks about an example of a, a women's uh gay rights page by a fake person, a fake woman who, you know, was originally posting about like her celebrity crushes and then switching to and th- dropping in little political ideas or notions to the followers that were following her. But they those liberal pages would never really post about go vote for Hillary because they don't want Hillary. They would say go vote for Jill Stein. So no. they would push to vote for her competition within you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. A third party candidate yes. that takes away votes. Yes. Her. Yeah. Wow. 
You got. You should listen to that episode, oh, dude. I'm, I'm going to have to listen it's to that. It's crazy. But, you know, we'll find out, you know, when Mueller does come out with everything. Um, but on a surface level, if they have similar interests, you know, it's easy for people to go, like you said, oh, you know, they're working together. Or he's his puppet or you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But that's that could literally just be circumstantial of having same interests. Trump wants to be president. Russia doesn't want Hillary to be president. Mm-hmm. So now they're they're working whether together or not to make sure that he's president. Yeah. And it's the same thing when you're looking at the breaking up of the European mm-hmm. Union. Yeah. We'll see what Mueller. I think there could definitely be. I think what has happened, is, I think, is that the, the justice the, in terms of the Mueller investigation. Yeah. I think that there's. I think institutionally. Mm-hmm. They've agreed upon the the, the whole um, uh, criminal justice apparatus in mm-hmm. the United States has agreed upon that we're not comfortable indicting a sitting president. Yes. So they're going to. I, I think there's very a very likely possibility that there are going to be sealed indictments mm. that will go into effect the minute he leaves office. Oh. So yeah. that that's the, a lot of the reading I've been done. Mm-hmm. I've been doing mm-hmm. has been on that line of thinking yeah. recently i think it could be super not that having him as president isn't harmful but i worry about what happens if they indict a sitting president what happens to his followers what happens i'm not saying i don't not saying and i've never said civil war but i just can't imagine the level of well, it's a deep state rigging the system and, yes. and arresting our guys. He's completely trying. undermined the justice system mm-hmm. from day one. Yeah. So if that happens, it I the harm is the it's just scary. Well, then, but then you also think about this. What do you think of this? Mm-hmm. Is I hundred percent like I'm kind of in line with you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's worth indicting a sitting president. Even yeah. Nancy Pelosi said. Like try yeah, to like shelve um, yeah. impeachment talks, yeah. saying he's not worth it. Yeah, and I think it's because she knows that Mueller is not going to be able to directly tie mm. any sort of collusion, right? Enough to it to impeach based on treason or right, like collusion right. with a foreign government to sway the elections. There might be stuff in there that is super shady and mm-hmm. opens up investigations elsewhere. I mean, he's going to be in, he's going to be under investigation until the minute he leaves office, right? Whether there are things that are going to be redacted, um, not made public, mm-hmm. that results in, in sealed indictments, mm-hmm. so the second that he leaves office, those go into effect, and he's he's then goes he, then he's indicted on on mm-hmm. on those charges. Um, but I think where was I going with this? Anyway, I just I th- I think that's more the more the line along the lines that this that this we're going to see this play out. Mm-hmm. But I think that. What does that say, though, if, like, we're not going to indict a sitting president? That means that anybody can be like, well, I'll do whatever means necessary mm-hmm. to get to the presidency, and then I'll worry about it later. Right. Because, because the consequence will come afterwards. If if ever. If ever. Right. That's my concern. Yeah, yeah. Is the stability of the pre- like, the sanctity of the presidency, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of, of what are the norms of getting to the presidency. No, right. I think you're going to see as, okay, well, he got there completely semi i mean semi like illegally if or, not who knows maybe completely blatantly illegally yeah yeah um using shady tactics that we had never seen a person mm-hmm. use to gain the presidency before mm-hmm. 
There was no ramifications right. about it. As long as I also undermined the Justice Department and system of the yeah. United States, and I also, you know, get this massive polarized following, mm-hmm. I'll be safe until I'm at least out. And then, then I can deal with it from there. Yeah. Um. I can tie it all up in courts. I may never even have to see right. prison time. Right. It makes you worry about because constantly, I know we talked about this mm-hmm. on To the Public again, mm-hmm. is our founding fathers consistently worried, warned about ambitious, mm-hmm. the ambitions of people and then right. worried, trying to keep the ambitious out of power. Does this open up? Trump is the most ambitious person I think has ever mm-hmm. ran for president. Mm-hmm. Does this open the door, for, like not indicting him and getting him out of office if mm-hmm. he did something illegal? Right. Does that open the door for more like people who are ambitious, who are willing to push the envelope, um, do things that are super shady, maybe illegal, things that were seen as career enders in the past, kept those ambitious people at bay. Now that that, those gates have been completely busted open, is Trump going to be the norm only because there's no fear ramification of towards this, you know, towards the uh, the lives of the people who right. would who would otherwise have stayed out of it because they're worried about okay, well, I know I can only win if I do this, mm-hmm. but the ramifications of me doing this aren't worth it. Now that these Trump has busted these gates open, is that going to lead to more ambitious people running in the future? Dude, in the past, historically, look at the consequences of politicians having extra marital affairs with porn stars. <laughs> or prostitutes. And now it's just like, meh. It's all right. It's our guy, so we'll let it go. Yeah. He's doing it for Jesus. <laughs> I mean, the there are there's a giant sect of religious people who are still backing this dude. Did you see he signed a Bible? Yeah, I did see that. It sold for a few hundred bucks. I, I If I would have known it was for sale, I probably would have bought it. He signed a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, dude, that's his book. Uh... All of that, what you just said, I was thinking about it. It terrifies me. Just reading on, and 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 you're reading how democracies die, but knowing historically the the history of South American regimes and dictators and overthrows and coups, it starts with that shit. It starts with the breaking of that stuff. It starts with letting shit go. Um, and and it absolutely can start with people pushing the envelope on illegal activity to gain power. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's fucking scary. Yeah, people should be concerned. Don't let it go because it's your guy. Whether you're the right or the left, do not let it go. People let this shit go, and it's just like it's setting a new norm, and it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. I don't know, MAGA. He tweeted that the other day, yesterday. Oh, real quick. I'll end on this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Twitter and Facebook were down the other day. Oh, no. Instagram and Facebook were down the I other day. I heard about that, Okay. Yeah. So it was interesting because uh, I hopped on Twitter just to, dude, everyone was crying about it. It was so funny. But I hop over to Trump's Twitter. He was more active within those few hours than he is normally in the during the day. Mm-hmm. He was tweeting like crazy. And nope. he ended it with MAGA, Make America Great Again. I thought it was interesting. I, I saw right, I'm just, 
And maybe that's why I should get a degree in communications. But I'm I'm seeing two platforms go down, and I'm watching his tweets just go up, just the activity, just like boom, 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 boom. And I was like, I see what you're doing, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's smart. It's smart. Nobody else is fucking well. Instagram's down. I can't really take picture of my food or myself half naked. So um, I'm gonna go see what Trump said. <laughs> I mean, who knows? People are retweeting. Exposure. I did tweet at him. Did <laughs> I you? sent you. I sent you the thing. Oh, you did. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Dude, I'm pretty sure that was a Russian tw- troll who got back to me after listening to that woman talk. That was a Russian troll you for think so? sure, dude. It made no sense. I went to his Twitter and he made no sense. Um, I said uh, I can't remember what Trump's original tweet was, uh, but I tweeted. Uh, Hey, if you guys are interested in learning about democratic norms, <laughs> listen to listen to my podcast. We do we did an episode on it, and uh, what did that guy say to me? Hold on, let me find it. Real Something quick. about um, yeah, well, just the normal, normal sh- shaming. Oh, poor little empty-headed liberal. Soon, all your idols will be going to jail. Poor little seditious moron. Seditious. Seditious, seditious moron. So that makes yeah that that doesn't really, yeah. Who are you talking to, dude? Like, what do you mean? So there's no profile picture, mm. and well, to February two thousand fourteen, he has four followers, following sixteen people, and retweeting and tweeting documents or or articles about open carry. So gun legislation, yeah. immigration, MAGA, Trump. Dude, he only has, how many tweets does he got? He only has like two tweets, dude, from 2014. So everything else on this activity is tweets and replies. He's just replying to people. Tell me that isn't a freaking Russian troll right there. Yeah, it's probably Russian right, troll. Right, dude? I yeah. found one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him out. Everyone go bombard this guy on Twitter <laughs> at... Lamb L A M B J nineteen, dude. That's interesting. Only two tweets. Everything else is current, and it's replies. Mm. No picture. Interesting. See, I have a Twitter that I am not active on in any way, shape, or form. But dude, interesting. When you're fighting cowards that hide behind women and children, you do what you have to. Genocide. Seventy million babies aborted. Brain dead turtle head. <laughs> oh, that's a troll, dude. I'm telling you. I found be. his ass. Got him. Found you, Russia. Report, report his profile. Oh, I probably. Well, I can only. Uh, dude, that's another thing. So, freaking Joe Rogan's been going off on uh, social media. He had the CEO from Twitter there, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, the person who who does the the banning and the control yeah. of the environment. But then also somebody who completely disagrees with their banning mm-hmm. and limiting language and voice on that platform oh, so they were just had this massive debate about restricting free speech on that platform and so they went over all the guidelines and rules that that have to be met um and one of them is personal attacks so i guess i could probably get him yeah for that 
And he called you uh, empty-headed, sedacious liberal. He called me a, what is it, fluffy-headed ninny muggins? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I don't know. All right, Jake, thanks for uh, doing a morning pod with me. Of course, man. And Got hurry up, up and move so we can get our official pod loft, get our Truman <laughs> po- uh, bobblehead up. Oh, I can't wait. Get some maybe some, May. some videos going. Mm-hmm. I got some big plans for your pod loft. Our pod loft. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be awesome. All right, guys. Um, you, you're allowed to like us on social media. You can follow us on social media. We won't troll you. Um, <laughs> we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Mostly active on Instagram. Uh, I did a live feed video today. I'm going to try to do more live feed videos um, on Instagram um, with Jake as well. I was just setting up, so I was bored. Um, and then like, share, subscribe our show, please. Um, and also, like I said, we're working on more guests. Um, there's one in particular that I think is going to be really fun. Um, but we're also going to bring back guests. I, we want to do another one with Donna. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a super serious episode with Donna Sinclair. Dr. Donna Sinclair. Um, and I don't know, some other people I have some ideas about. So stay tuned. Keep listening. And as always, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.